Welcome to On the Stoop with Suave, the place where the best conversations with your favorite people happen. On this episode, Suave has audio one from the Bay Area On the Stoop, where they'll be discussing DJing, the Bay Area DJ legacies, remixing, and much more. Ladies and gentlemen, your host, DJ Suave. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to On the Stoop with Suave. My name is DJ Suave. And today we have a special guest in the house. Ladies and gentlemen, make some noise for Audio One. Hey. How's it going? Chilling, chilling. <laughs> That's a nice touch. Thank you. <laughs> and man, before we get started, man, let's talk about San Francisco. Uh, you showed up at the perfect time, man. This is like the warmest it's been this year. It's uh, very nice out. It's very warm. You can tell if you're watching. I'm like, I'm hot right now. So. Man, I don't give a shit about the weather. I want to talk about these mountains. Oh, that the hills. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this guy. We were, we were climbing. We just climbed from uh, Union Square up. and uh, Yeah. If Man. you're in San Francisco, we're at the Intercontinental Mark Hopkins. So we're at the very top of San Francisco right now. And it was quite a climb. Yeah. <laughs> I um. Hey, two big guys walking. Hey, man, man. give us some credit. You know? yeah. <laughs> and I went to Fisherman's Wharf yesterday. And I was yeah. coming back. And I don't know what street it was, but I swear it was like straight up. And my whole my, my butthole just puckered up like, oh my God, oh my God, I'm gonna die. And I was just afraid the car was going to you know, Oh yeah, back. it happens all the time. Yeah, yeah. You For just real? gotta you just gotta be careful. Well, they don't flip back, but you feel like the car's yeah. gonna go back. You just gotta <sighs> you just gotta gun it pretty much. And then like just keep your brake ready. Yeah. yeah Man, yeah, I was scared yeah. of shit. Yeah. And then I like and then you see cars just parked, you know, up sideways. Up oh yeah, they park parallel, yeah. Yeah, ninety right. degrees. Yeah, it's crazy, mm-hmm. man. Yeah. Welcome to the city, man. Shit. Well, yeah. Thanks for having me, man. It's all good. I don't live in the city, so it's all gravy. You know? I live in the burbs, which is nice. <laughs> well, and I'm, I've been driving around, and I'm like, yo, man, this this area, this San Francisco area that I'm in, you know, from here to the Fisherman's Wharf and, and surrounding areas, it's not like a normal city. Nah, like it's like a lot. It's like five cities in one. Well, like, yeah. and I'm like, I don't see a normal residential house. They all seem like to be the brownstones or whatever they call them. That you know, the full house lineup. Yeah. And I ain't seen a regular grocery store. All I seen is Whole Foods. Right. Like. Well, yeah. The, in in the actual city, everything's condensed, man. If you go, yeah. if you go out, go to Oakland, the East Bay, or like the you know, like Daly City, it, it becomes normal again. Okay. There, but. Yeah, San Francisco is very unique in many aspects, and that's yeah, definitely one of them. So this shit ain't normal. Yeah, and it's also very expensive out here. So, yeah. <laughs> fuck yeah. yeah. Look here, I've been, I've traveled all over the, the the country, and San Francisco is by far the most expensive city. Um, Boston is, and I haven't been to New York. Everybody keeps saying New York, but I haven't yeah. been to New York yet. But mm-hmm. Boston is right on you guys' heels too. But you know, yeah. is is I mean, do they pay accordingly? With the inflation, the I, cost of I, living out here? I think it has to just do with the technology, man. It's just the tech, you know. These yeah. are like Boston and everything here, you know. Of course. Pause. <laughs> so um, I'm, I'm filming a podcast and I uh, forgot to turn my phone off. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm going to give a shout out to Baby Moms for calling during the podcast. And for me... <laughs> We're not being professional We're to turn We're keeping it off. 100 here yeah. on the stoop Sheesh. with Suave. Uh, oh, <laughs> he, hates that. he hates that. <laughs> oh, uh, man. Um, yeah, no, going back to that, uh, um, you know, it's just uh, San Francisco Bay Area, Boston, New York. These are the tech hubs. And, uh, I mean, we could go into really deep discussion about the disparities between 
what people make and what people don't make. I mean, we can go for days about that. I, I would talk about that, but, you know. Um, so the best answer I can give you is no. Like, yeah. you know, a lot of people are leaving the Bay. They're leaving for, you know, Colorado, Arizona, Texas. You know, you're don't, seeing a lot of Californians yeah. everywhere in the U.S. now, especially don't. Bay Area people. You're going to see a lot of Mac Dre requests everywhere else pretty soon, <laughs> man, because we're leaving in big numbers now. So Well, you know, it's funny. It's when, and I'm, obviously, I live in Colorado, but we can tell when people are driving that they're not from Colorado. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, yeah, take your ass back to Cali, yeah. you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, There's a lot of homeless people out here, too. Unfortunately, like, that's, yeah. that's that's one of the uh, the the downsides to everything that's happening. Oh. You know, it's just people are getting displaced, you know what I'm saying? And there's not enough, uh, you know, I'm not going to speak on it, man. It's, yeah. just, it's just such just a big a sad, subject. Yeah, yeah no, it, it, that's how it is, unfortunately. You know, so. All right, let's talk about DJing. Yeah, definitely, man. You are OG, triple OG, quadruple OG. I'm, I'm getting there. I'm almost forty. So, yeah. ah, okay. How long? How long have you been doing it? <laughs> I started when I was eleven years old in 1991. So uh, oh, this would be 29, going 29 years. Yo, that must be I, something in the Bay because, like, I was talking to Miles uh, Medina, and he said he started at 12. Mm-hmm. And everybody else that I talked to, you know, they're 17, 18, 19. Like, yeah, we started damn. young out here. Yeah, I know when I first saw Miles, he was 16, and he blew my fucking mind when I at 16. Yeah, like uh, Iraq had put me onto him originally. And, his name at the time was Hella Miles. That was his original name. Hella Miles. And I just remember seeing this kid, and I'm just like, oh, my God, this guy's going to be a problem. Like, you know, when people saw him, yeah. they're like, he is going to be a problem. And, like, obviously, you see what happened. Oh, yeah. Same with Jay Spinoza. Like, these are guys that have been around forever. Everyone kind of started young out here just because just the way that things are out here, man. Music, you know, music and culture, you know. Well, I want to ask you about your story, but I want to I wanna hit something really quick. Sure. There seems to be... A, uh, you know how like Texas puts out you know dope literally players and whatnot. It seems like the Bay is just pumping out like legit DJs decade after decade. Yeah. Like, what's what's the culture like? What what why? I mean, you know, what's the what's the recipe? I think it just has to do a lot with just the culture, you know, out here. You know what I mean? We're you know we're just uh, very open minded. You know what I mean? If you think about everything that's happened here in the Bay Area, I mean. Like, going back to the 60s, you know, like the hippies and, you know, all that, you know, the, you know, the basically the revolution against the government and all that, you know, just the um, freedom fighting, you know, the Black Panther movement, all that. Like, everything pretty much comes out of here, you know what I mean? So, um, as far as music is concerned, I think we just, we're just in the right place at the right time. We just have all these people that are super creative and we make, we've made the most out of, you know, very, you know, very little, you know what I'm saying? And yeah. like out here, we just always, like for me, I feel like I was blessed to like be able to tune into the radio and just hear dope DJs, you know what I'm saying? And basically like there's lineage of DJs and I'm I'm now, you know, in a lineage and there's younger cats below me now, you know what I mean? Now I'm being seen as like, oh, people are, now I'm in a position where people are looking up to me now, you know, which is really weird and awkward sometimes, but, you know, it's like, it's it's interesting, man. It's it, it's you know, um, for me, I, I'm I feel like I'm blessed because now, like the people that I look up to, when I was younger, like I'm friends with them or I work with them now, mm-hmm. you know, or like I'm peers, you know, like I could pick up the phone, I could call a shortcut, you know what I mean? Like that's some OG shit, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, you know, I could you know I could send edits to these guys and you know just chop it up about anything, you know what I'm saying? So I think it's it's almost like, it feels like for out here it's like a brotherhood, you know what I'm saying? Like you, everyone just looks out for each other and. You know, from generation to generation, we have OGs that looked out for us. Now we're looking out for the younger guys, and hopefully, you know, 
Nice. That'll probably be a discussion we'll discuss later on, but you know, everyone has to look out for each other. Like at least or at least check people when shit isn't going right. So, you know, I know for us, me when I was younger in my teenage years, we were getting checked all the time. Like, nah bro, that you gotta go back. Nah bro, you gotta go back. Now it's different because you got technology and you know, you just get a laptop, you get Serato, you got phase, you're a DJ now. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Well, for right. me, it's like I had to go back and I had these mentors that are like Hey, that's clean. You're, you're getting cleaner, but you got to step it up. You know, it was always for us. It was always show and prove. And the base always been like that: show and prove. You got to show that you, you got the skills. Or you're gonna get checked. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And nice. I think that's what I think that's what a lot of DJ culture is lacking now. It's like not enough people checking each other. Okay, it's just a bunch of people just kind of running, running game, running their mouth, but not really, you know, putting the money where their mouth is. You know what I mean? So right. we're keeping it a hundred right here. For so sure. For sure. You know, for sure. So. All right, so let's back up. So we started at age 11. How'd you get into it? Um, I had, um, how could I explain it? Um, back in my middle school, we had an after-school program because at the time in my city where I live in Hayward, which is the, in the East Bay, there was a big gang problem. So, you know, the school didn't want the kids to join the gang. So they had these diversion programs, and one of them was an after-school program where these uh, college kids would come in and they would help us out with homework. And so they would basically, every every student was matched with a mentor. Mm-hmm. My mentor just happened to be a DJ. Mm. So he broke down like, oh, man, I, I, you know, I go to this club and I kill it on the weekend. And he's telling me all these stories. And I was like, yo, that's kind of dope. You know, and he was like, oh, you should watch this program, you know, on this channel. And you can, you know, like, see what, you know, see what music's about, you know. like. And then I just got really interested in it and just started buying records and Little by little, you know, just started growing my collection. And then that guy put me on, you know, to, you know, he did a, an event at the school and then he had me like up there with him. And then it was just that feeling like, yo, hand me this record, hand me this record. And it was just like seeing at that age, seeing like you put on like crisscross and everybody would jump. I was like, holy shit. So you mean to tell me that? I mean, anytime this guy puts a record on, people are going to react positively. That's it was like a rush. So I'm like, dude, I I really I want to know more about this. So started learning, man. This is pre-internet, you know. It was uh, word of mouth, you know. Everything was like, you know, it's funny. Like I could pick up the phone and I could get a, you know, I I just broke my Mac charger and I'm getting one sent today. So like I could do that today. But back then it was like everything took forever. You know what I mean? And I was young. I, I you know I didn't have much money and my family didn't have much money. But you know. Uh, for me, um, like getting into DJing saved my life because a lot of people that I know, and it's crazy because I'm going to turn 40, you know, God willing, I turn 40 this year. Right. Um, I have a lot of homies in Hayward that just didn't make it, you know, in the year. So DJing saved my life because I wasn't out in the streets. I was in the house. I was, you know, mixing James Brown and, you know, mixing rave music and club music and hip hop music and learning how to scratch and just anyone that I saw that I could soak in from listening to my heroes on the radio, listening to Sway and Tech and you know the Wake Up Show and all these you know programs, just trying to you know little by little I was dreaming like that's what I want to become. You know what I'm saying? Like one day I want to make music. Um, you know I want to make my living off of music. And, you know here I am like three decades later, like yeah. you know making it. So how old were you when you got your first setup? Thirteen. Thirteen. Yeah. Mom and dad. Um, moms. But it was I was through work. She had a business, and you know I was setting away like thirty thirty dollars every two weeks, like almost a year it took me to get the turntables. And it was through a friend of mine in high school who he knew somebody that was selling them, 
this guy's name, his name is John Lau. He goes by the name of MK2. And that guy became my mentor. Nice. Like, so, and I still talk to him to this day. Like, I literally just got off the phone with him a few days ago. Nice. So, um, he looked out for me when I was, like, 13, 14, and we've been friends ever since. So, yeah. Nice. It's it's always interesting hearing, you know, someone's story on how they got that first setup, you know, and what they went about doing. And, you know, some people got a loan. Some people, parents bought it. And, and you know, there's some of us that got it there and grinded and, and did it ourselves. <clears throat> yeah. Um, so... My mom was not, you know, she worked three jobs. You know, she was a single mom, and she was like, hey, man, you just can't have every. I can't just hand shit to you. You got to fucking earn it. So if anything, she taught me how to hustle. You know what I'm saying? So it's just that hustler mentality from her. But you know what, though? Shit that you have to work for and get yourself, you appreciate a whole lot more than if somebody gives it to you. Most definitely. You know? Like if, if that turntable setup, you had somebody fucked with it, and whatever, you'll fight them. But if somebody gave it to you, you'd be like, hey, bro, don't bother my shit. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. So you definitely appreciate the shit a whole lot more when you have to earn it yeah. and work hard for it. Definitely. It was a blessing when I finally, I mean, because the first few years, it was just me playing records on a Fisher, you know, at a Fisher turntable and, on, you know, on top of the stereo and just mm-hmm. making pause tape mixes. And then once I got the two turntables, I had a Gemini mixer and it was on, man. I was just making, just making, you know, I was not even clean at DJing, but I was good at like, it's kind of funny. And later on, I became an editor and a producer. Like with the pause tape shit, it was like you have to be very good with your timing. You know what I mean? Like pause it here, take the record off, put the next record on, boom. You know, like right and, and so that way you knew like it was like a continuous mix. Even before I actually learned how to mix, I knew like I was learning my time. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on, hold on. Let me back you up just a minute because sure. there's somebody listening right now that has no idea what a pause mixtape is. Okay, educate us. A pause tape mix. Uh, basically, you would record. I, at the time, I was doing it off of tapes and off of uh, records. Um, you would record a song. You would press record on a cassette, and you would play the song, and then you would hit pause at some point in the song. And you would get the next song or get the next, you know, Whatever you were going to do, you're going to do a sound effect or something, a rewind or something, and then you would unpause it, record, and then pause again. So basically you were piecing together something. And it was it was like random, but like a lot of people in like the 70s, 80s, and 90s came up that way. you know. Because that's the first time I've ever heard it called that. I knew what it was. Yeah. I've never heard it called that. Right. So I'm like, So Damn. I would like, sometimes I would stop like a, re- like a song right before, maybe like a bar or two before. And then it would be like some sample off of another record, mm-hmm. you know, like, you know, like baddest motherfucker on two turntables go off, stop, get the next record, and then you know one Nothing. two, and hopefully you get the timing right. Sometimes you didn't, you know what I mean? Right. But then when I got the when I got the mixer, it was like okay, now I have to learn how to put the shit together. And then, like I said, my mentor just was always giving me challenges, like try these records, try doing something with these records, try this, try this, you know, and just it was dope, you know what I mean? And then. In high school, I was just making mixtapes with my homies and stuff, selling them yeah. and shit. So it was fun, you know, just challenging myself and, um, you know. Then I got the four-track recorder. <laughs> that was fun in 96. So, you know, just trying to put, you know. It's funny. We have Ableton now. We have millions of channels that we can work with. Right. Then it was four channels on a fucking cassette, you know. And you have to be very, like, okay, do I really want this? Do I really want to put this on here? Like, so you only had so much time to work with on a cassette. Right. You know? So. Yeah, it's it's interesting thinking back, like man, like we've come a long way, man. You yeah, know? Sure like, have. <clears throat> so yeah, that's literally my my come up in high school. You know, just uh, just doing the local scene in Hayward. You know, just doing the little battles, the little high school battles. I was from Hayward High, and 
we would battle DJs from Mount Eden, from Tennyson, from these different high schools, and then we'd have these jams. And through MK2, they were doing like the college parties and like the sororities. So I, you know, I got my experience through them. You know, like they would set up three turntables, a mixer, and they would do their thing. And you know, like, hey man, why don't you get on? We're gonna holler at these girls. So it was like, oh shit, it's on me now. Fuck. You know what <laughs> I mean? But it was cool. Like they they put you know that pressure you know really helped you know right. I mean? so yeah. yeah. It was good. It was for me. I, I I look back and it's like I wouldn't have wanted to do it any other time, man. Because just the lack of technology, you had to really like go for go for it. You know what I mean? Like it was do or die. Like now you can say some shit on Twitter and delete it a minute later. Like yeah. you said some shit like in '97, you meant that shit and right. you had to stand by that shit. So if you're gonna talk shit about somebody. You better back that shit up. You know what nice. I mean? And that's just literally how, especially out here, the basing and like the battlers, like, don't talk shit if you can't back it up, man. I mean, we have Qbert, we have Mixmaster Mike, Apollo, like all these cats, you know what I'm saying? And like, Damn. you know, it's like that battle spirit. Like, we, a lot of us that came up have that battle spirit. You know okay. what I mean? And you can see it, you know, a lot of the older cats too. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's just how we were raised. You know what I mean? We were, we're beasts out here. You know what I mean? And we're hopefully, like, now, hopefully, we're, we're creating newbies, you know what I'm saying? Like little right. by little, you know what I'm saying? But it's just a different game now, you know? Like, you know, sometimes when I hear guys, because um, I've only been DJing four years, so obviously, you know, doing anything on vinyl just, you know, hasn't happened. <clears throat> but I kind of admire, I kind of almost like wish I had been back then because I'm really OCD. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, man, I'd have killed it back then, you know? But like, or like I went to Scratch, for instance. Okay. And they try to teach you on vinyl. Yeah. Well, it's un- tough. unfortunately, I've got a ridiculous memory. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I'm looking through their vinyl and I'm like, oh, all right, this DMX track, I know this is 100. Okay. And I'm looking, okay, I know this track is 100. And so, like, I'm putting them together because I already know. Right. Whereas back then, you didn't know. You know, no. you had to, you know, had to use your ears and, and make it work. So I envy those guys. Right. Um, and I wish I had more time because I would probably take some time to actually learn that. It's too busy. You never stop learning, man. Yeah. I always say that to anybody, and I don't care what excuse anyone has. You never stop learning, man. Yeah. I mean, obviously, if you're doing this, you're learning from me. Right. People that are watching this or listening to this, they're learning from us. You know right. what I'm saying? So it's like knowledge is power regardless of whatever, man. It could be just you listening to a podcast or, you know, I, what I do. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a YouTube addict. Mm. Like, I have a premium YouTube, and I'm watching DJ shit all the time, production shit all the time. You know what I mean? If it's Layback Luke doing his weekly video or, yeah. like, you know, Crossfade or any of these, you know, you know, even Boiler Room, sometimes you watch those videos and you're like, oh, I never heard this shit. I need yeah. to get into it. You know what I mean? So, hey, and shout out to Jamie at Crossfade because he's nice. Oh, yeah. He's, he's like, amazing. Nice. Yeah. Like, I see him and be like, that's a badass white boy. Yeah. yeah. Man. Yeah, no, um, there's a lot of there's a lot of resources now. There's no excuse to not learn, man. Yeah. I don't care what anyone says. I know a lot of people make excuses for time management or whatever, man. If you know how to manage your time, there's time for everything. Man. True, you know what true. I'm saying? I mean, obviously we're here, right? You know, so. Um, how old were you when you got your first club gig? My first club gig, I was 2002, so I was 23, I think 23. So it took you ten years to get your get your first club gig, right? So for me, I always look at my first ten years was me learning and coming up. Mm-hmm. I started doing raves before that, like I actually um, 
did the rave circuit before I did the club circuit. Okay. So I actually was deep into drum and bass. That's why when we saw that mm-hmm. car driving, there was a yeah. car earlier that was driving, listening to drum and bass. I'm like, that dude's jamming. Like, that's like some of the shit that I I enjoy, like some of the underground shit. And uh, I did that for a few years, and then somehow I got into the clubs, you know, little by little. Just I I think it was just because I loved. I loved hip hop, like real hip hop. I was a real hip hop head, like a backpack, you know, mm-hmm. hip hop head. I loved drum and bass. But then there was part of me, and it was funny because for many years, a lot of us came up with this whole thing where it was like you had to keep it real, like the mainstream. Yeah. So the mainstream was always like, you know, but then it, I don't know what happened, but something happened after like 2000. And I didn't even want to say like even after like 9 11. I don't know why, but. I just noticed, like, after 9-11, there was this shift in, like, consciousness out here where it was just like, you know, we're, maybe we're being too inclusive about shit. You know what I mean? Especially, and I noticed it in hip-hop, you know, because I was really deep into it. Like, I started noticing, like, most Def and Talib Kweli started rapping over, like, down south beats and shit. And I'm like, okay, so this is now becoming the norm. You know what I mean? So, um, and I think that's sort of where, like, the club shit started happening for me, you know? And then it was just some opportunities that, I, that came my way that I just took advantage of in time, so... Yeah, but my first club gig, I was, I think it was 23, 2002 was my first time, so, um, but I didn't really do clubs full-time till 2004, 2005, so when I actually started, like, doing some real shit. Nice. Yeah, I have a friend, Greg J. he was originally from Crickling Clan, um, he was also a rave DJ at the time, and he was telling me about DJ AM and DJ Vice, and we were already aware of, you know, DJ Z Trip and that kind of mashup movement. Mm-hmm. Like, so we were already aware of that. We were already doing it on our own. <clears throat> but then it was like, oh, like, this is the shit now. Like, before it was just us just doing it in our bedrooms and doing these little online mixes. Now you're getting paid to play Beyonce and play, you know, Joan Jett together, you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, that's the wave. Then what's up? So. That's how, that's how I got involved into the club scene. Little by little, it was like I was leaving the the raves, started moving into the clubs, and been in it ever since, man. There you yeah. go. Yeah. The rest is history. All right. Yeah. Let's play a game. <laughs> oh, my God. Everybody laughs at that. Yeah. All right. We're going to play a game. It's called Rapid Fire. Okay. I'm going to ask you a question. You're simply going to tell me the first thing that comes to mind. Oh, boy. Are you ready? Sure. All right. <laughs> Here we go. <Okay. clears throat> what is Selena's last name? Quintanilla. What's your favorite sport to watch? I don't really like sports. <laughs> <laughs> I'm moving on. <laughs> oh, we can talk about that later. <laughs> All right. Um, nickname your mom used to call you? Alexito? I don't know. Something like that. All right. Um, I don't... What's your favorite holiday? New Year's. Fill in the blank. Mm-hmm. Taylor Swift is a bitch. Talk or text. Talk. Favorite ice cream flavor. Rocky Road. Do you believe in ghosts? Yes. If Y E S spells yes, what does E Y E S spell? Eyes. Good for you. Favorite childhood cartoon. Simpsons. Favorite Kardashian? Chloe. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Batman or Superman? Superman. Which is heavier, a pound of cotton or a pound of stone? A pound of stone. They're both a pound, Alex. I know. <laughs> I was just going by mass, not by... <laughs> 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 you trying to trump me over here. 
right. Which TV sitcom family would you be a member of? Simpsons. All right. What's the first thing you notice about the opposite sex? Eyes. Can you name three MTV VJs? Downtown Julie Brown. Everybody knows her. Oh, man. Who else? Uh, Ananda. Was that her name? Oh, yeah. Ananda. Ananda. Ananda yeah, 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 yeah. And Sway. Okay. Sway Calloway because he's from the Bay Area. For sure. Oakland, California. What's your Zodiac? Uh, Scorpio. Your most prized possession? I don't know. I don't. I can't think of what I, what I have that's prized. I mean, <clears throat> if a fire broke out at your house right now, what are you running in to grab? My laptop. There you have it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, knock on wood. My I don't want that to happen. <laughs> no, you know what? I I, I I take that back. My, my I have a vinyl collection that's extensive in storage. So nice. Yeah. All right. Socks or bare feet? Socks. Could you date a woman with eleven toes? Sure. There you have it, y'all. <laughs> that put that that pound one got me. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I just gotta throw something in there, that. you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah have no. some fun. Yeah, no definitely. Um, you know, you do these so often, it's like, man, I gotta stop asking the same questions to the same people. Let me mix it up a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So I think all of yours were actually original, brand new. Yeah. 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 All right. Um And I only said the Simpsons because I told you I've been watching a marathon of that shit yeah. lately. So yeah. <clears throat> So this is a two-part question. I love asking DJs this. Yep. Um, what's the craziest thing you've seen in the booth and in the crowd from from the booth? Uh, I saw a couple fucking ones in the booth. Oh, while you were spinning? Yeah. Like they ain't, did they put in a request or something? Like no, nah, <laughs> it was a, it was a uh, it was a sound it was a sound guy in the booth. Ah. Gotcha. Yeah. So she thought he was the DJ and he got it in. I got it in. Yeah. And <laughs> I just was like, oh, no one could see them from right. where I was. So, All right. hey. yeah. Hey, man, get it in, man. I'm not, you know, ain't no hater. It was a different time too. It was 2008, so mm. you know, it was. Uh, it wouldn't fly now, and the whole with the whole Me Too and all this, like, nah, right. it wouldn't fly now. But yeah, even though it's crazy, we have a, such a level of ratcheting out there. It's like. You know, who knows what flies, but yeah, it's probably the craziest thing I've seen in the booth. I mean, I've probably seen some fights in the booth before too, but nothing, you know, nothing out of the ordinary. Craziest thing I've seen, I've seen a couple crazy things, but I think the craziest thing, one of the craziest things I've seen was in Colorado. This was one of my early Colorado trips. Um, we needed the club to close. This was at Soto Nightclub in uh, Colorado Springs. Shout out to Brandon Lee and to JoJo. They were there with me and they can attest to this happening. Um, we needed to get people out at the end of the night, and they're like, "Just play Journey, you know, play Journey, you know, okay. just to see if you know." Usually, shit like that would clear them out. They're playing Journey, and a massive brawl broke out. The motherfuckers were throwing chairs, fucking fighting each other. This is like while Journey's playing. Don't stop believing, <laughs> yeah. okay? Yeah, and then we're just looking at each other like, "Yo, is this really happening?" Like, oh, this is happening right Damn. So that's probably I want to say probably single handedly. Like to that song too, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like, who knew that was the boiling point? You know what I mean? But it was it was a wild crowd. It was you know different crowds. You know what I mean? And yeah, you know Colorado Springs is very interesting. Yeah. So do you have a song now uh, that you play at the end of the night to kind of get people out? Um, I have a couple. Um, it depends on what night it is. I try to do Careless Whisper. 
like mm. to get people out. You know, normally, yeah. usually by then, if you hear that the lights are coming on, you probably have a hint that it's time to go. Yeah. Um, every so often, I'll play uh, "Let's Do It Again" by Jay Bug, like the island. Like out here in the Bay, we have a lot of Pacific Islanders, and you know, so that's like that's like a good you know a good reggae vibe at the end of the night works too. Um, for me, I like the last 15 minutes or so. I like to play slow jams. Me too. Yeah. Like, me too. Like 90s R&B, 2000s R&B, just R&B in general. Like you can hit them with the LMA stuff. You know what I mean? You can hit them with black. You can hit them with like all that kind of stuff. And then, you know, but a lot of people don't know it just because like R&B isn't big. Yeah. Like, you know, you could play genuine. Because I'm like, I feel like you slow the tempo down, it slows the mood down. Because I want you to leave thinking about fucking not fighting. Right. You know? Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, no, I, I feel you. You know, and, you know, and for a time before Kelly got the fuck out of here, we were playing Ignition at the end of too. But... Um, yeah, and but it really depends on the on the club because some venues um, they want you to keep the vibe hype all the way to the end, and then some of them are like, "Yo, man, let's start dispersing them little by little." So usually, like at ten, I want to say ten fifteen minutes, I'm slowing it down. And some people think it's weird, like, "Why are you doing this now?" But then they're coming up to you one like like out here the clubs close at one thirty, so like at one twenty five they want Fatiana. It's like, dude, I played it at midnight. I played it like you know like why why are you coming up to us now? You know what I mean? But. Um, yeah, I like playing slow. I just like to slow down, make sure it's like a gradual thing. Like people just walk away. There's no like animosity, you know what I mean? Because sometimes if you keep it too high, people are just kind of like ready to box. They're ready to do some shit. But when you play some slow jams, it's like you kind of like, eh, you know, like, like. And sometimes I'll even dig deeper. I'll go like play some Temptations, or, like oh, nice. Icely Brothers. You know, I like I like a lot of that vibe. Like I'm really big into Motown, funk and soul stuff. Yeah, but yeah, definitely I like playing a lot of slower shit. Like even like, but even careless whispers like a slow song. You know? so, All right. Yeah. All right. Let's play another game. Sure. We're here for the games, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> if I weren't a DJ, I'd be a pilot. Elaborate. I love I love aviation. I used to work in aviation before. I went DJ full time. I actually worked in aviation technology, so I did a lot of technology work. But I was always interested in aviation. I um, I always wanted to go get like my av. You know, I wanted to learn how to fly. Like I would, I would have loved to do that. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if I will now, but you know, for many years I had that. Like when I was a kid, I wanted to be an astronaut, and then I wanted to be a pilot. But that's all. I've always been interested in aviation, and it's funny. Even though I don't work in aviation, I still subscribe to aviation blogs, and like I know what's happening. Like with all those planes coming down, mm-hmm. like I knew immediately what was going on. Like I, and I, I shouldn't know, but yet, like you know, I have homies on YouTube. Like, hey, you saw that? You saw that? That that plane went down. That's the second one. I'm like, yeah, they're gonna ground all of them eventually. You know, so yeah, I'm. I don't know. I'm just a nerd with when it comes to aviation and shit like that. So nice. I'm a nerd in general. I'm a fucking herd, man. So you know, it's nothing cool about me, man. <laughs> I'm like, uh, I'm I'm becoming an old man. Like, I feel it. <laughs> <laughs> there you have it. Yeah. He'd be a pilot, y'all. Be a pilot. They don't make money either, man. They don't? But the, you know what? It's funny. I used to work um, at the foreign airline, mm-hmm. and the, the, the pay is is just not good at all. But mm-hmm. I feel like uh, that industry says, well, we're not going to pay you top dollar because we're letting you fly across the world for free. And I'm like, truth be told, you know, that $1,000 that I saved going from Denver to Germany, you know, every year with my mom. Well, I guess it'd be 2000 because I took my mom. Yeah. You know, I, you know. Yeah, I would have rather gotten paid, but I'd have just turned around and bought the plane ticket, so it didn't matter. Sounds a lot like DJ. <laughs> Indeed it does. Indeed it does. <laughs> pay away, man. Um, the um, 
we're going to talk about editing, remixing. Okay. You're, um, and before I do that, I, I wanted to ask, and I should have done this at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Do you go by just Audio One or DJ Audio One? No matter. I just go Audio One, A-U-D-I-O, number one. Okay. Yeah. All right. So editing, remixing, um, sure. and I'm going to say, what's the name of the group? I-N-T? I-N-T-O Party, International Party. International yeah. Party. That's a collective that myself and my friend Beneficial started in 2014. It's kind of one of those things where uh, we just played parties together. We have, you know, we have the same love for electronic and underground and just all vibes together, Latin, future bass, everything. So that's becoming a whole different thing outside of what I'm doing as Audio One. INTL is like a whole different monster. So we're going to talk about, we're going to address both of those because sure. on one hand, we've got INTL and we've got Audio One. Yep. Are we seeing completely different shit? With INTL versus what Audio One would put out, yes. Now is this is this just like your, um, you know, this is uh, over here is my uh, my what's the word uh, like Doctor Jekyll Mister Hyde mm-hmm. type thing? It can persona? be it can be at times. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Which so. was crazy. I'll I'll be honest here, and I'll say this here. This is an exclusive here. Um, um, a lot of us in the group have aliases. Okay. So we've released stuff under different names. Oh nice. So I've actually released. Things into the world with different aliases. Oh, so I do have my audio one shit, and right. I have some other shit too. But in time, you'll know for sure. Yeah, sure. So, but definitely a lot of the aliases fall under um, INTO Party. Okay. So a lot of times you'll see something that will just say INTO Party Remix, right? But then you'll see these names that you've never seen before, and you know, okay, you can decipher it from them. There's a whole story, there's a whole narrative there, but okay, you know, we're like we're looking at it, we're like underground superheroes. You know what I'm saying? Like, like the Avengers or like you know DC and Marvel and all that. You know, just yeah, but audio like I, I I honestly see like audio one is more like I'm the club guy. Okay. And then INTL is like the best example I could give you is like there's Diplo, mm-hmm. and then there's Major Laser. Mm-hmm. So INTL part is like Major Laser. But then you see like when Diplo shows up to a party, is he playing as Diplo or is he playing as Major Laser or is he playing as you Jack know, U or something? Yeah, Jack yeah. U or as Silk City. So it's pretty much like. Okay. Yeah. So we have we're into so many vibes. Sometimes we're into the house vibe. Sometimes we're into like the trap and dubstep vibe. Sometimes we're just into the straight Latin cumbia, like merengue, like reggaeton vibe and drum and bass. You know what I mean? Like now, do you think you get? Um, do you think doing the INTL remixes versus under Audio One that you get a better response because you know under the under the Audio One brand, people are expecting this, right? You know, and by implementing this and putting your name on it people are like uh, that's not what we were expecting you know that i try I, I try to separate them i i think with into it gives us uh room to experiment nice you know what i'm saying where i like with audio one i did drum and bass on the audio one i did uh my hip-hop shit on the audio one and then audio one is what i branded as the club dj um intl is pretty much you know other shit you know what i'm okay. saying like we can experiment we can do you know, without it affecting your audio one brand, right? Exactly. So even like, okay, so like for example, my friend Beneficial, um, he has this hip hop shit. He actually has a big single out with uh, with Too Short and Joel Santana, uh, uh, Whistle. He produced that, so that's Beneficial shit. Mm-hmm. That has nothing to do with INTL. So he still has the ability to go into INTL party and release deep house music or hard trap. You know what I'm saying? Like. So it, it's kind of dope, you know what I mean? Because we don't compromise who we are, uh, you know, with what we've already done. Ideal part is sort of the umbrella for us to be able to create other shit, you know. Mm-hmm. Just because 
um, in this day and age, we're able to do whatever we want. You know what I mean? For years, like, especially when we came up, you were a, either a, you were if you were a house guy, you were the house guy. Like you couldn't be a hip hop DJ and a house DJ. But in the 2000s, when all the lines started blurring, you were able to like you know go for broke, you know, which is great, you know what I mean? Because it gives, I mean, there's so many avenues you could take this shit, you know what I mean? Like, and even just like I explained with Dipple, like he has all these different projects, you know what I'm saying? Like, who's to stop him? You know what I mean? Like, so I feel like you can't stop me as Audio One. You're not gonna stop the group, you know what I'm saying? It's like we're a collective. We got like ten members right now, and it's just growing, and it's just. Cats everywhere, you know what I'm saying? Like, what's your favorite INTL remix right now? We just <clears throat> released the Poison remix, Belle Biv DeVoe, like two weeks ago. That's one of my favorite ones because we've been sitting on that one for about like three years. We've just been playing it like, well, it's like our secret. We have a like, we have like the secret weapon. I sense something strange in my mind. Yeah, yo, situation is. Let's cure it cause we're running out of time mm-hmm. Tell him, Rick It's all so beautiful Relationships they seem from the start yeah. mm-hmm. It's all so When love is not together from the heart We're slowly putting them out. We had that one. We had a remix for uh, Yin Yang Twins, Bad. We was, we sat on that for like three years, and we just put it out recently. So a lot of the new shit that you're seeing on from us, that's like my favorite shit right now. So. Okay. I'm looking for a dime. That's top of the line. Cute face, one waist with a big behind. I need a dime. That's top of the line. Cute face, one waist with a big Now, let's talk about Audio One. Yes. Um, You're... Remixes, edits are exclusively at DMS. DMS, directmusicservice.com. Um, how long have you been putting in edits? I've been making edits since 2006. Um, and I put them out for free till 2015, 2016, when I joined DMS full time. Um, a lot of people met me and I made a name for myself by giving them away for free. Like through Twitter and through like Serato forums, Hollertronics, different message boards. I met a bunch of DJs that way. And just you, you could tell like I've been really active on my social media. I just, you know, it's it's crazy how, how far giving people free music can take, you know, can go. You know, you meet people from all over the world and stuff. So, um, but yeah, I originally started because, like I said, my, my buddy Greg Jay, he was on Crooklyn Clan. He was making these crazy mashups and remixes at the time. And, um, when I got into Serato, it was one of those things where uh, 
if we're playing digital files, why are we gonna play, be playing the same versions everybody else has? Right. You know, that's the way he broke it down to me originally. Like, well, why are you gonna play it? The same version everyone else has. You might as well make your own and sound unique. And that really resonated with me. And I was already, you know, I was always making my own versions of everything anyway. So then I'm like, you know what? I'm going to start putting them out there. And then I started handing them out to, like, a couple of friends and then just kind of grew from there, you know. And So walk us down, because I'm sure there's some young editors listening, wondering, how does one get a job at a record pool? Like how did how did how did that come to be for you at DMS? Um, well, with DMS, I had a I had a relationship with a uh, with Kevin Scott. I've I've known Kevin Scott for about a decade. He used to come out here to the Bay back in the day, and he used to play at the clubs out here. And I met him. So just I I forged relationships with pretty much every from every record pool. I forged relationships with everybody from them. But at the time, they just reached out and were like, "Hey, man, we like what you're doing. You know, we would like you to join our team and do it full time." So. Um, think about it for like a decade I was doing it for free right. and now someone's offering you a paycheck why not you know what I'm saying it could have right. been DJ City it could have been BPM it could have been Club Killers but it was them and I'm thankful for it you know what I'm saying like right. I got love for every crew out there regardless you know what I'm saying mm -hmm. like everyone's always looked out for me but um, Kevin and Warren and the whole crew they've looked out since day one you know what I'm saying so it was it was easy I mean it's just putting in the work man I mean my edits have made it everywhere you know I met a ton of people through it have gotten some major support, you know, like, you know, for me, like having like Skrillex, Diplo and Vice play my shit was like Steve Aoki. Like mm -hmm. those are, you know, like I never, that's not what I intended to do, but it was like, yo, they got into their hands. I must be doing something right. How does that make you feel when you hear, you know, that's Skrillex or somebody playing your song, your edits? Amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. Like when, when you look at like a, a thousand and one track listings or like, you know, or, like uh, BBC One Extra, and you see like the the playlist, and this is like Audio One Edit or INTO Party, and you're just like, yo, this is this is dope. You know what I mean? Because it, it it's like it's it could be insignificant to people, you know, because it's just like whatever, you know, it's just one track out of a million. But it's like, yo, they chose my version. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, you know, it could be anybody's bootleg. You know what I'm saying? It could be anybody's remix. But the fact that they chose yours means that like, okay, they were fucking with your version. You know what I'm saying? So. Nice. Yeah, so it's cool. You know what I mean? Like, but it's really just uh, um, for me. It was just about sounding unique, you know, and being really clean with it. And over time, I've gotten better. I've listened to shit that I released about a decade ago, and I, I cringe at it. Mm. But in time, I've gotten way better. You know what I'm saying? It was at first it was just editing, and then it became learning how to produce, and then now it's more like production. And DMS, we pride ourselves in like producing. You know what I'm saying? We produce a lot of the edits, and it's not just ape our intro so a lot of times it's recreating beats recreating 808s and doing all that you know what i mean like having kits and just making shit sound legit you know making sure that there's music there's a lot of stuff that never make gets intros or you know there's no edits for them you just go out and you try to do the best that you can you know what i'm saying because you know there's so much music out there we're not going to get to everything you know what i'm saying mm -hmm. but if you have that one dope edit it could go pretty far you know what i'm saying yeah what's the craziest place somebody's reached out to you and said, hey, man, I'm playing your song out here. Every once in a while I get emails from, like, Russia and, like, like uh, Asia, yeah. like, like Vietnam and, like, Thailand, those kind of places, nice. so South Africa, like, which is dope, man, you know, because they're, 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 they're feeling it, you know what I mean? So. Yeah. I had a guy hit me up from South Africa and another guy in Omar, Oman. Oman. Yeah. That's the Middle like, East. Yeah. I was gonna, but... <clears throat> um, 
I released a No Limit edit a couple years ago. It's probably my biggest edit to date. One for the money, hey. two for the show. Hey. Clap your hands if you got a bankroll. One for the money, hey. two for the show. Hey. Clap your hands if your money don't fold. One for the money, hey. two for the show. Hey. Clap your hands if you got a bankroll. One for the money, hey. two for the show. Hey. Clap your hands if your money don't fold. Hey. Yeah, fuck with me and get some money and get some yeah. money. Yeah, fuck him then I get some money. Yeah. Fuck with me and get some money. Yeah. Fuck him, then I get some money. Yeah. Fuck him, then I get some money. I need tongue, I need face, I need brain. Concentrate, I go boom, product case. Kill a weed, rock a lace. Fuck the mo, buy the ace. Fuck the gold, drive a rave. Get some money, fuck the rolly, fuck the rolly. Patty face, my career taking off. These hoes jogging in pace. Where these hoes on their mouth? How these hoes out of shape? Can you stop with all the subs? Bitch, I ain't cherry. If you really want some smoke, you can pull up, you can get it. Grab a hand, pull up braids, make your nigga eat me out. Put a white boy on the song, I might turn GEC out. Keep it cheap, from the go to the end, from the spark. You know me, Cardi B, pussy popping on the charts. If I hit it one time, I'm a piper. If I hit it two times, then I like her. If I fuck three times, I'm a wifer. It ain't safe for the black or the white girls. It ain't safe, it ain't safe, it ain't safe, it ain't safe. Tell your man, pipe up. And my homeboy was at Hyde and he texted me and says, yo, Icon is playing your No Limit edit. And I was like, what? In a club in Vegas? Like, and I just got extra hype. And I was like, film it. And he was like, no, nah, we can't, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, man, so I can imagine for me having Icon playing my shit in a Vegas club, yeah. what it feels like if Skrillex or one of these guys is playing your yeah, shit like, this, yeah. man. Yeah. And that's a big deal. I mean, I don't think people, you know, people can downplay it, you know, in their minds, but that's a really big fucking deal. Yeah. Because these guys aren't playing random Joe Schmo tracks. They're playing the best of the best. Yeah, they have to. And they have teams that source it too. It's not just, I used to think it was them, but then I, over time I learned they have a team of people that source music for them. You know what I mean? So it's like, they went through all these steps. So it finally got to the main guy. So, you know what I mean? Yeah. It must have been good enough that it got to them. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. Nice. Yeah. It's dope. What's in the future for you as far as remixing editing goes? Well, in the last like six months, I put out two original remixes. I did a Cardi B remix for Money, mm-hmm. which is pretty good. Even the label reached out was like, yo, man, this is dope. Which is kind of a bittersweet because you wish that there was like a paycheck with that or something mm-hmm. you know like like they would have reached out you know but the record industry is just it's that's a whole different story and i could go about that for hours but um you know i did that remix and that was you know it was an edm remix it was like a big room remix, which is like i guess it's like a taboo subject with a lot of djs because a lot of djs don't fuck with big room and edm I still do, just because I, I like to play everything. Right. Um, so that one did good. And then the last remix I did, it was this uh, pop artist. Her name is uh, Madison Beer. It's a song called Hurts Like Hell, and it has Offset on it. The label sent out the uh, um, the stems, and then I just got into did the remix for it. They gave it like a future bass remix. I sent it back, and then the label went, and they pushed that one and another one. So it, it got the label co-signed. Like I said, it, again, it was one of those things where they're like, 
there's no money involved but just the label are, the labels are noticing like okay we see you man all right cool so yeah it's uh, <coughs> a lot more remixes a lot more original stuff the INTO party stuff is really like what's taking a lot of my time right now just because we're cultivating this vibe and this energy around you know what we're doing you know just bringing some dope party music just um just the how for us it's like a house party environment you know what i mean like everywhere we go we want to have that we don't like the pretentious you know like we don't like the pretentious vibe we just like to just like go in and play some fun shit you know what i mean and it's just that's really what we're focused on right now so okay <coughs> you good and i have to ask because somebody is wondering this how does one get the stems from the label sometimes the labels will send it if you're on their mailing list so yeah, you have to be on their mailing list. So if you're doing radio, you're already on those mailing lists. I do radio as well. So okay. So like, there's different labels. I mean, Universal, Atlantic, Mad Decent, like all these different. You know, they'll they'll send something and then they'll be like, oh, here's some stems. <coughs> A lot of times it's just them wanting to see what comes back. Mm-hmm. And you know, you know, anytime stems go out, everyone's gonna do something with them. You know, yeah. what I mean? so it's just kind of like a crapshoot who they're gonna pick. So. Like that last one, it was really a crapshoot. There was like a hundred remixes that came up for that one, and mine got picked. So it was very interesting. So yeah, no, definitely a lot more original stuff, a lot of more remixes. It's just really just pushing the boundaries right now. Like I don't consider myself like an amazing remixer or producer. I'm still learning. Like it was great is that our team that we have, they're just really amazing people. So I'm just constantly learning. I spend a lot of time just trial and error. You know what I'm saying? Just just trying to come up with something different, you know what I mean? So, do you guys bounce stuff? <coughs> Sorry, you good? Do you guys bounce stuff off each other? All the time, yeah. yeah. Or sometimes I'll start something and I'll send it to the team; they'll finish it, or they'll start something. They want me to add my my you know my part to it, and then nice. continue. Yeah. Now, how does that work when like in use Ableton mm-hmm. and um, use Ableton and Splice? Okay. And so, what if somebody doesn't have Ableton? How does that work? Or, do, or can you just not send it to them? No, I mean, we have some guys that use FL Studio. So it's just a, a matter of them just bouncing the files, you know, like just bouncing them and then, you know, we'll, we'll put them into a project and then we'll work around it. Like we have people that work on Pro Tools, they work on FL Studio, uh, Logic. So okay. if, if it's dope, we'll make it work. So like last night we were in the studio and <coughs> sorry, um, Ben was on Ableton and then the engineer was on uh, – FL Studio, and then they opened the Pro Tools when the vocalist came in. So, you know, just kind of making it all work, you know? So, yeah. All right, let's play another game. I'm going to call this one uh, Mount Rushmore. Oh. And because you're an editor remixer, we're going to do two parts. So you get to do, you get to play it twice. Okay. First question mm-hmm. Who was on your DJ, Mount Rushmore? As in, like, my favorite DJs? Yes. Your favorite, not necessarily the, and I have to always give this disclaimer because I don't want people, you know, misreading, but your personal favorite four. Dead or alive? Or all yep, alive? doesn't matter. Okay. Doesn't matter. Your personal favorite four. Wow. That's a loaded question. DJ AM. Okay. DJ Craze. Okay. A Track. All right. Laid Back Luke. Nice. It's right. well rounded. Indeed. All right, now who's on your remixer 
um, editor, Mount Rushmore? Ooh. <clears throat> that was probably easier to answer. Um, DJ Q. I love everything that that guy puts out. He's from out here in the Bay Area. And that's K U E. K U E. Yeah. From San Jose. Um, DJ Scooter from Philly. Okay. Danny Diggs. How about how about how about we get somebody on a Mont Rushmore that ain't part of DMS crew? I mean, is that possible? <laughs> it's all the, okay. All right, all right, all right. Yeah, no. Let's okay. Well, yeah, be very biased there. Okay. So an unbiased list would be. All right, let's start thinking. I'm trying to think right now. Let's see who do I like. Kid Cut Up from DJ City. I love his stuff. Okay. Um, let's see. I love NASA from Club Killers. Awesome dude. Um, one of my I, I want to consider one of my one of my good homies Isaac Jordan. He's part of a uh, Heavy Hits. Mm-hmm. Definitely up there. He makes really great stuff. Um. DJ Cass from Miami. He's a really dope editor. He doesn't really put out stuff that you see like on the pools, but if you're on his email blast, you get some really dope edits. So and now what's his name again? Cass. K A. It's K A five Cass. Okay. From Miami. Yeah. He's part of DJ City Miami. So yeah. I feel like really I've dope. heard that name before. Yeah. So him and then shout out to C Flow. That's another guy that puts out edits like that too. So there's a lot of editors that are not on sites. They just like you know, they have email lists, you know what I'm saying? And like if you're on them, then you're on them. So why yeah. so why would someone, you know, do edits and not put them out, in your opinion? You mean not put them out to like the sites? Yeah. To the general public. Um well now it really depends if the sites want to post your stuff up or not. Mm-hmm. Some sites want you to like, you know, they want you to uh you know, like I know like on CK they do like the make the cut like type of thing. Um, Which I, I won that a couple of years. Uh, yeah, so I, do you win it three months or no? I only won once. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> um, my buddy Smash won three. Yeah. Know, so. Shout out to the homie Smash. Smash, yeah. Um, I don't know, man. I mean, I think it's just you knowing who makes what. You know what I mean? Like, like I have a I have a great idea who's making something out there. You know what I mean? And I'm pretty much on everybody's list. So, so because like I was putting, I was doing edits and I was mm-hmm. putting everything out. Okay. And then I had breakfast with a guy from San Diego, and he was like, hey, man, you know, I stopped putting my edits out. And I was like, well, why? He's like, I walk into a club, everybody's playing my shit. So yeah. then when I play my shit, I sound just like them. Right. He's like, what separates you from the other guy, you know? That's a good point. Um, well, the thing the thing that you got to do, and this I've always told people, is don't give, every, don't give up everything. Yeah. You got to have shit that you have that no one else has. And that's something that it, everything that I give out is fine for me to give out. But um, you also got to think of it that even though they're playing your edits, they're not going to play it the way that you play it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because the way that you make an edit normally or a bootleg or whatever, you have a certain way that you want to play it or that you play actually play it out. Whereas you can give them the same playlist of the night and it's not going to sound nowhere near as how you played it. You know what yeah. I'm saying? So, um, But yeah, definitely keep shit for yourself or make like what I do. I, I make VIP verses which is like, my version, like right. I have a different drop that you didn't have. So when you come out and you see me, you're like, "Well, you didn't send me that one," you know. Right. And that's what's great about like when I go DJ in other towns, um, I, I end up DJing with people who make edits, and you always you always run up to the laptop like, "Oh, I don't have this one, bro." Right. Like when I go to, when I went to Miami in February, my buddy Cass he makes hella edits, and um, like every other song, I'm like, "I don't have this one." He's like, <laughs> right. "Oh yeah, this is my version." Like I'm like, "Ah," oh. but then the same thing, I'm playing something, you'll come up like. 
I don't have this one. I'm like, yeah, this right. is my version. Yeah, you know. <clears throat> well, now, wouldn't it be, I mean, is it, I could see not sharing with guys in your city. Okay. You know, but, you know. I'll share with the town, man. I mean, it's all love out here, man. Okay. Like, for, it's funny. When I send out, like, I send out an email blast maybe once or twice a year now. The Bay will always get the ed- the blast before everybody else. Like, I always send it out to my NorCal people first. It's like NorCal and California people get it first just because, you know, that's just how I've always done it. And then it goes to everywhere else, you know, so. All right. Yeah. Makes sense. I don't, I don't have a problem with it, man. I mean, it's just sharing. For me, my philosophy is sharing is caring. You know what I mean? Like, you know, it, it, it helps people out, man. Like, a lot of people don't realize that, like, what you give out sometimes, like, could help somebody out in a gym, you know what I'm saying? Like, I've heard many, and, that, and that's probably something that I always like love about this game is that I always get these stories where like, yo man, I was at this wedding and like, you know, the people weren't feeling anything I was playing, and then I then I asked them, what do you guys want to hear? And they gave me a title, and I typed it in, and you happened to have made an edit for it, you know what I'm saying? It's like it'll be some random shit or like, um, I, a few years ago I made a I made a Bollywood edit pack. Yeah, and then it was just like I met some homies. They gave me some good Bollywood songs, and I ended up making edits for them. And every once in a while, I get an email, like, yo, bro, like, that, dude, I did. I had to do a Bollywood party. Like, you, bro, those tracks helped me out, man. Or, like, I do a lot of Latin edits now, like for DMS, and they're like, bro, like, these girls came up, and they wanted this, like, certain Nicky Jam J Balvin song. And I'm like, I don't know, but let me look. And they typed it in, and, like, you made one, you know what I mean? So, like, shit like that, you know. So I can totally relate to that out of a jam thing. I had um shout out to Danny Diggs. He's actually got me. me. Yep. He's got me out of two jams. Um I when the EDM bubble kind of burst, um, I was still playing venues that wanted EDM. Yep. And I loved the fusion of EDM and hip hop. Yep. And he did a whole little, you know The hood hops. Hood hop, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah the, and yeah. so man, I went through DMS and just, you know, hit him up and then I ended up texting him and he sent me some more. And then I did a um, a gig in Guyana, South mm. America. Yeah. And they're really big into reggae and soca. Mm-hmm. And there's really no record pools that are heavy into that. But Diggs, Diggs had a set of them. Yeah. Man. Yeah, no, and true. he sent me a, a crate and some stuff. And I was like, thank you. You know, it just it made yeah. the difference because, again, I'm going to their country playing the tracks that they know, but they don't know. Right. So, you know, I was a superstar for a hot, hot minute. So, yeah, I can definitely relate to that, yeah, no, you know, getting out of jam. Yeah, for so. sure, man. No. That also goes with, like, the, for us, like, the whole INTL thing. Like, we love American shit, but we love shit from everywhere else. You know what I'm saying? Like, I love I love playing, like, UK stuff. I like playing, love Afrobeat. You know, a lot, a lot of the African stuff's really good right now. You know, just, just mixing vibes, man, because, I mean, like, you know, America, we're just this big melting pot. You know what I mean? And. You know, sometimes you'll play some like random shit from somewhere else, but then you'll mix it with some Bay Area shit, and it, it works. You know what I mean? Like, you know, yeah. let me ask you about club culture. Sure. Because uh, something that you were saying earlier, I think as DJs, mm-hmm. anybody that's even remotely close to our age, um, I remember, and I just turned forty. Yeah. Um, I'm turning forty this year. I remember yeah. when um, we used to go to the club, mm-hmm. and girls just wore jeans and a shirt, and you know, the hair was nice. But they didn't, you know, they, they didn't spend all night on it because they knew they were going to sweat it out. Mm-hmm. Now you got the girls in the club, you know, the bottle service clubs, and they got on the 10-inch heels and the mini skirt that stops here that they got to pull on all fucking night. Right. And they're not going out for the same, you know, the purpose. Vibe, yeah. And so the vibe is completely different. 
Yeah. And as I think as DJs, we want that 1990 vibe in 2019. Mm-hmm. But the 2019 crowd Crowd's related, doesn't yeah. want the 2009 vibe. And right. it's, right. you know, like, what do you do? Yeah. Um, I think I'm in a really great position for that because I don't play bottle service spots that often. Mm. I only have one residency that's a bottle service spot. And that's in San Jose, which I'm playing this Friday. Um, shout out level 44. <laughs> um, most of the spots that I play at are non-bottle service. I play a lot of lounges, a lot of bars. Mm. And literally the way that I've sold myself to a lot of places and earned people's respect and you know, earn my place in a lot of these venues is just keeping that house party vibe. Like, literally, like, when I mean that, it's like, where you're going to fucking dance. It, it, it isn't like you're going to sit there and take selfies every time a Drake song comes on. Right. Like, you're going to hear some crazy shit. We're going to go all over the map. You know what I'm saying? So, I guess, you know, like I said, this is a great position for me because I play party shit. You know right. what I mean? I, I'll play Tatiana. I'll play all the current rap, but... I'm taking you to the 90s. I'm taking you to 2000s. Hey, I may play Joan Jett. I may play fucking Queen. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, we're going to go everywhere. We're going to have fun with it. You know what I'm saying? And um, Yeah. I Not that I have anything against bottle service spots. I mean, there is a, a there is a place and time for that. But and, but I feel that that kind of takes away, you know, from the fun. I, I you know, I'm, I miss the whole when people just come out and dance. You know, like, come out, have some drinks, dance, mingle. You know what I'm saying? Like... I just love I love a party vibe, man. I like right. going to like some of the places I play out of here in the city, like you play Britney Spears and it's like the same reaction you would get as you play Tatiana. Like yeah. it's just like, oh shit. You play Backstreet Boys, oh shit. You play in sync, oh shit. Right. New kids on the block, oh shit. Like for me that like you were talking about, like we were talking earlier, like just getting that how many oh shits can you get in the night? You know what right. I mean? Like and it's cool. Like you can do that with old school music. The thing is, people are, like, nowadays, people are, like, are, you know, they're really scared, you know, to venture out. You know what I mean? Like, people feel like you just got to play the new hits and that's it. Mm-hmm. You know? You you can mix it up, man. I feel people just, they don't want to do the homework. You know what I'm saying? Like, now, do you feel as DJs that we're, or, or at, let, let me rephrase that question. Do you feel as a DJ that you spend more time trying to educate the crowd or just entertaining? And what I mean by that is new track just came out. We get, obviously we get everything beforehand. Right. And um, do you say, okay, well, this is new track. I'm going to drop it, you know, and shove it down y'all's throat and y'all are going to love it. Or nah, I'll wait, let this one catch on first and then I'll drop it. I think I do a bit of both. I have to be feeling the track or not. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, um, like Tiger just released, what's it called? Goddamn. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm feeling that. So that would be something that I go drop it. People might know it, they might not know it, but it's a vibe, you know what I mean? And you and it'll go with whatever I'm playing. Um, uh, and one song that I was early on was uh, Wow, Post Malone, and that came out like Christmas break, mm-hmm. you know, 2018. We were early on it, and the, you know, and I'm feeling, I was feeling like, yo, I'm gonna play this. This is a banger. And at first, crowds were kind of like, I don't know, I don't know. But now what, we're almost in May, and people, are, that's one of the biggest requests we get out here. See, and I, no, when, I, when I first heard it, I was just kind of like, oh, that's cool. But it took an edit, and I have the shout-out to the tall boys over mm-hmm. at DJ City. Yeah. Uh, I'm a fan. Um, <coughs> I got their motto remix, mm, yeah. and I was like, yo, this goes Sometimes hard. it's just the way that you introduce the track. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It makes a difference. You know, like, even, like, Tiger Girls have fun. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Like, I have, a, I have a specific edit that, you know, like, yeah. Sometimes the, the edit will make the difference between how you play it or not, you know? So, yeah. yeah. No, I mean... 
That's a good question, man. I never really think about educating. I think years ago when I was more gung-ho about music, I wanted to educate people. Like, this is the brand new premiere. You know, this is the shit right here. Now it's just like, I just want to make sure people are having fun because I think the hardest lesson, and, I, and this is like where I'm going to school everybody right now, is the hardest lesson I have had to learn in like the last five to ten years is that DJing, like, the nightlife is an act. It's a business, man. It isn't even about... You being dope as a DJ, it's about making the club money, making the venue money, making the bar money. If you're not making the venue money, you ain't doing shit. You know what I'm saying? And that was the hardest lesson because I've always been about the music. I still am about the music, but now I have to approach the business. I have to approach the business of music with the mentality of a business. That you know, some of these spots they want you to sell bottles. And if that's what you got to do, that's what you got to do. I can't hate on DJs that are making money selling bottles. That's what you got to do in some venues. I'm blessed that I can walk into most venues and just rock it. But I have to approach it in a way where like, okay, I'm going to play some bangers, but I got to make sure that bar is always fucking full. You know what I'm saying? And that's something that a lot of people, they they believe too much in the artistry. They're thinking too much about, yo, I'm going to do this tone play and then this tone play and then this tone play. But you're not really looking at the crowd. You know what I'm saying? Like, you could be, you could have a full dance floor, but if the bar is not rocking you're not gonna last too long there you know what i'm saying and that was a real hard lesson for me because i was always gung-ho just about the music just about the music now it's different it's a different world we live in now you know what i'm saying like these clubs want to make sure these bars want to make sure that you know if they're making an investment and especially if they're paying you more than than average you know that the investment is proper you know what i'm saying the return on investment i know like for me i'm not asking for bottom dollar i know a lot of djs don't care what they make i i have a limit to where i'm going to play or i'm not going to play and you got to approach it with that business sense you know what i'm saying like yeah you can play bangers but at the end of the night they want to make their money if you're at a bottle service spot you got to make sure those bottles get sold if you're at a bar or a lounge you got to make sure that bar is making that money you know what i'm saying you got to make sure that their business, their you know, their business is taken care of first. You know what right. I'm saying? So, and you're definitely passionate about that because <coughs> accent came out and everything just now. Yeah, no, man. <laughs> <coughs> sorry. Good. So now let me ask you this: If you're DJing mm-hmm. and you're killing it, you know, you got the packed dance floor, mm-hmm. but there's no way at the bar. Do you drop something that's uh, maybe to deter people off the dance floor, knowing that you'll get them back so they can get to the bar, or, or like, what's what's the thought process there? I'm always watching the crowd. I'm watching who's coming in, who's leaving, who's dancing, who's not. So it's I, I, not that I'm not going to say that doesn't happen, but I always try to make sure to rotate every 10, 15 minutes. Yeah. Just don't stick on one vibe for too long. Don't stick in EDM for 30 minutes. Don't stick to Latin for 30 minutes. Like, <coughs> let's say if I play a Latin set, I'll do two or three songs. Let's look at the vibe. If the vibe's cool, maybe play one, two more, and then go into the next vibe. You know what I'm saying? And then you kind of see people like, well, I'm not. Maybe there's people that don't like taki taki. They'll go to the bar. You know what I'm saying? Gotcha. Okay. But then, but then you're like, okay, maybe it's time to like throw. Maybe play a couple of throwbacks. You play a couple of throwbacks. Some people are into them. Some are not. Then you see people like rotate. Like, oh, like they'll be at the bar. They're about to have their shot. They're like, oh shit, this is my shit. This is my shit. Let's take my drink. And you know, so, um, yeah, you just you just gotta watch. It's it's basically keeping an eye on your crowd. You know what I'm saying? And. Definitely something that a lot of DJs do not do, man. A lot of people just go into the game, just, I'm going to play my shit, and that's it. You know what I mean? And, you know, you got to think about the people that are there. Like, if you were, if you, if you had an off night, 
like, what would you want to hear? You know what I mean? Like, but like in a vibe, you know what I'm saying? Like, like I know, like I would want to hear some real hip hop or some funk and soul, but like depending on where you're at, it's like, oh, this is a ratchet club, then I expect to hear this. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. if I'm at a house club, I know what to expect. You know, so <coughs> I don't really think too much about. I'm gonna play some shit that get people off the dance floor. You know, you just gotta keep watching. You know what I'm saying? Just kind of. It's part of the job, you know? Nice. All right, it's game time. I'm going to play a game called Two Truths and a Lie. Oh. You give me two truths and a lie, and I try to guess which one is the lie. Wow. <sighs> two truths and a lie. I got to think about this. That one went too well. <laughs> <laughs> you lying right now. No. <laughs> there it is. That's the lie. <laughs> Yeah, see, <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> I'm trying to think, actually, man. I can't. I'm trying to think what I can say. Let's see. I passed out at my own birthday party in 2012. I punched the manager in the face and got blocked from the scene for a few months. I have ghost produced for five different people. All right, you were pretty specific about 2012, so I'm going to say that's true. I missed my own birthday party in 2012. Damn, it's. There's video of the party. It was like the best party in the world. Everybody came out, and I passed out at 1030. Damn. Yeah. I was in the hotel room. It was bad. Yeah. But All right. That was, that was, yeah. Um, I don't want to knock your, your production skills, but I don't see you as the violent type to punch managers in the face either, unless it's about your money, which could potentially be. So I'll say that the lie is that you punch somebody in the face. Punch him in the face. Not recently. But oh. Yeah. Why he punch him in the face? Oh, just some beef. Mm-mm-mm. I'll say this much. The person I am now, I'm 39 years old, going on 40. I'm more diplomatic about the way I do things. I think about things like clearly. Right. Whereas 10, 15 years ago, I was just punching promoters. I was punching DJs. I didn't give a fuck, man. I was a completely different person. Mm-hmm. Might explain. I was married at the time. And I, I would say that after I got divorced, like, you know, I've been... I got divorced in 2012. Like, okay. everything about my life, my perspective, everything I do changed. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I think I'm a whole different person now than I was 10, 15 years ago. So back then, I wasn't thinking about the consequences. Like, you punch somebody, you're going to get X'd out of the scene. And that's literally what happened. I got X'd out from the scene and had to work my way up. You know what I'm saying? Like, had to earn people's stress again and shit. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I, it, I would be really hard pressed to punch somebody now just because there's too much. Uh, at risk, yeah. you know what I'm saying? There's too many responsibilities. I just have to take, sometimes you have to take it out, like whatever, you know what I'm saying? But a lot of people talk shit, they don't back it up. So I just, you know, whatever. Yeah. yeah. So. Now, on a personal level, yeah. you know, when you said you got divorced, <coughs> you know, life changed for you. You know, a lot of people, when something like that, you know, tra- that's that's a tragedy. I don't care what nobody calls it. Right, tra- no. I've been divorced. So yeah. I, that's a tragedy. Do you just think, do you think that it was a blessing in disguise? In the end, it was. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think with us it was more we were really young married. We didn't get to explore anything or we didn't get to date other people or do anything. And then when you're young, 
like you, you know, the things that you want in life are the same. But as you grow older, like I went to college, I got my degrees. She went off to college, got her degrees. So little by little, we started noticing that the things we wanted in life were not the same anymore. Mm -hmm. I wanted to be a DJ. I wanted to come up and have this life. She wanted, you know, something else. She wanted a family. She wanted a guy who was going to be home every weekend. It just wasn't going to happen. You know what I'm saying? And, and it, you know, it sucked. You know, divorce is like one of the most, you know, destructive things that could ever happen to you as a human. But yeah. in the end, I got what I wanted out of life. And then in the end, she got what she wanted. She has a family. She has a good husband. She has kids. And she's living a great life. Yeah. You know, so it's weird now that we, like, we'll see each other every once in a while. And it's like, I see you. You're doing what you wanted. And she'll see me like, dude, like, you know, every once in a while she'll be like, dude, People still talk to me about you. Like we ain't been together in years, but people are like, you see what Alex is doing? You see what Alex is doing? It's like So I mean, yeah. let's let's touch on that real quick. You yeah. know, relationships and DJing. Stuff. Um, <laughs> what what advice would you give to guys or girls for that matter? Sorry, don't want to exclude the ladies yeah. that are in relationships and you know, their significant other maybe isn't quite into the DJ lifestyle yeah. and understand what's going on. What advice would you give those guys? That's tough, man, because there has to be, I, I think as a man or a woman, depending who it is, I know a lot of female DJs that they have the same issues themselves too, you know, that their mates just don't understand the culture around DJing, you know what I'm saying? And DJing is a lot of relationships, a lot of friendships, a lot of people that you got to know, a lot of hands that you got to shake. And sometimes it might not be the people that your mate wants to see you with. You know, sometimes, you know, like I know like with my ex-wife, she didn't like that I was friends with go-go dancers and like VIP girls because they're all hot girls. Right. You gotta be. You gotta be with somebody that can handle that. You know what I'm saying? And you know, some people. Some you know, some of them exist and some of them don't. You know? Right. So, um, I you know, anyone that wants to be with a DJ, you just have to be really tough. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's it's different. You know what I'm saying? And that's why a lot of DJs are single. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? I've been single for two years now. So you know, the last woman I was with, I was gonna marry, but <laughs> that shit fell apart. Yeah, but then you know, again, perspective. You know, you come back. You're like, oh, you know, maybe that wasn't the right thing to do. So you know, just gotta keep it moving. So it's tough, man. It's it's very tough for men and women. I see it all the time. Like, <coughs> like I know a lot of male and female DJs. They all go through the same shit. It's yeah. like, yeah, these girls are these girls are jealous of these girls. These guys are jealous. You know, like you can't be friends with anybody. You know, everyone always assumes that because you friended somebody on Instagram that. There's something deeper than that. Sometimes it's like, dude, it's just a homie. You know what I mean? Like, there's nothing to it. You know what I'm saying? But there's also like, I think with society, like a lot of people like to have their cake and eat it too. Mm -hmm. You know, that shit's, that shit's got to stop. You know what I'm saying? Like if you're with somebody, then be with them. Don't fuck around. You know what I'm saying? Like you're fucking it up for everybody else. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. I know I want to find somebody dope. I want to find a dope woman, but. You know, all these women are like, oh, you're a DJ? Oh, man. Because <laughs> <coughs> the, wor the worst thing for me that I hear is, oh, I've heard about you. I'm just like, yo, like, because in my, unfortunately, where I live, like, women talk. It's just like, uh, okay, fine. You know what I mean? I just, I'd rather be single, man. Fuck it. Just have fun, fun with life. You know, it's, it's funny. Um, <laughs> I have a. All, I know really all, well, man. All, <laughs> man, all the time I get, oh, you're a DJ. Oh, you got hella hoes, and I'm like, where are they at? Like that, they, they must have ripped that page out of the DJ handbook when they gave it to me, cause <laughs> I go home by myself every night. Like, what am I missing here? Like, what the fuck? You know, I get that all the time. Oh, you must have hella hoes. I'm like, 
Where they at? Shit. Where they at though? What, what am you I want, doing? You wrong? want to become what? Like, look, <laughs> if you watching this on YouTube, leave a comment below and tell me what the fuck I'm doing wrong. Yeah. And, you know, shit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I where the hell look, is that, man? Look, as, as, hey. as I got a baby on the way, you know. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> yo, seriously, man. Like, uh, it, you know, there's just there's just really big misconceptions about DJs, man. I get it. There are some DJs that are out there. Fucking around doing their thing. Hey, man, more power. To whoever you are, do live your truth, man. But a lot of us are just like, we pack up our shit, we go home, and we watch Adult Swim while we're eating fucking cereal. You know what I mean? There's nothing more to it. You know what I'm saying? I don't see no hoes anywhere, man. Like, <laughs> so, the, so look, we done got all off track. So the, so, so the two truths and the lie. Yeah. So the lie was the ghost production. The ghost production was the all right. Yeah. Um, have you been approached to do some ghost producing? Mm-hmm. What does that feel like? Like, like I've had mixed reactions on it. Like on one hand, folks are, hey, that's cool. You think I'm a good, but I also do real shit. So am I not good enough to put my real shit out? Like, you right. know, what, what was your kind of your feeling on that? I mean, the money, the money can be good. It could be lucrative. But mm. the problem is, it's like if something becomes big, then you get no credit for it. You know what I'm saying? It's like. You just get paid and that's it. You know what I'm saying? I, I I think my fear would be that I would ghost produce for somebody, take like a you know a three thousand dollar check, and then it becomes like the next big thing, and then I miss out on all that money. You know what, what I'm saying? Yo, like, what if Despacito was ghost produced <coughs> and he took five grand hypothetically? Oh, the the real producer? Yeah, wouldn't that be some shit? That'd be some shit. I mean, it could happen. It's happened, you know. But you know, and Despacito just comes to mind because I just did this thing on YouTube. Like I looked up. Uh, most viewed YouTube videos. Yeah, that's like the, was like the biggest. One. Yeah, 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 like, yeah. Oh, like five billion. Yeah, yeah, it's oh. a big song, man. Yeah, mm. yeah. I mean, you know, the whole ghost producing thing—it's—it's it's a big subject out there, man. And I know, you know, I know a bunch of people who they get help. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, it's a different world out there. You know what I'm saying? Some people know how to produce. Some people don't. You know what I mean? And some people don't know, don't produce, and they don't have the time. Whatever. I, I feel like honestly, if you're gonna do anything, at least learn how to do like the basics with production. Yeah. At least get your ideas down in Ableton, and then pass it off. You know what I'm saying? Like at least that much. You know what I'm saying? I met people who they they have full careers right now. They don't know how to open up Ableton, mm. and it's just like, well, see. And my thing was, yeah. I have a mentor. So yeah. my my mentor's name is Vinny. Shout out to Vinny. Mm-hmm. And I'll make, I'll start a project, yeah. and then I'll call him. Hey, Vinny, I got this. Uh, let's, let's, talk, let, let's, t- let's talk about mm-hmm. it, you know. And <clears throat> for the most part, I'll, I'll do, you know, something on my own. But if it's something that I'm I'm like, like me and Vinny did, uh, or he assisted me with, um, this Demi Lovato, Sorry Not Sorry edit. Okay. And I did it, and it was cool. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, he came over, and I always give Vinny the good chair. And if you have somebody coming to your house to help you, give them, give them the, the good, good chair. chair. Yeah, yeah, don't give them the black <laughs> one. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, he's sitting in a good chair and he was like, oh, that sounds dope. Well, what if, you know, you did try this and you tried that and, hey, let me show you how to layer this. And, yeah. you know, but because I'm learning mm-hmm. at the same time, I'm not, let's say, having him, I mean, I like to, you know, let him do his thing and then I'd sit back and like, whoa, that's dope. Right. You know, but teach me what you just did. Right. That way, the next time I can just do it myself or call you and say, hey, I did this. Yeah. Didn't really work. What, what am I doing wrong? Whatever. Right. Um, but that that's, for me, I, I always loved that aspect of it because you're I'm, I'm getting a veteran to, to mentor, teach, and then I'm doing it myself. Mm-hmm. So if... You know, the day ever comes, I can say, "Hey, Vinny, uh, I want to make an EP. Mm-hmm. Can can I buy a track from you or something like that?" Right. You know, he'll he, he'll yeah, here you go. 
But at the same time, I know how to make that track. Right. You know, so I don't look like an asshole. Right, right, right. No, definitely. I think if it's a collaborative process, I don't see a problem with it. You know what I'm saying? But it's just way too many people out there faking the funk like they did the shit. It's like way too many of them, like everywhere. You know what I'm saying? And like with me, like I'll say this much. I'm not the best producer. I have a lot to learn. I'm always learning. But I have an amazing team around me, and then I just happen to know a lot of great producers, and I get I get offers all the time. Like, yo, man, I'll, why don't we just go produce a whole like EP for you? And I'm just like, I don't want to do that. I would rather be in the studio with you, and or at least like send me something, let me do something to it, and then we can go and put it out. Nice. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, just like we were in the studio last night, we're working with Will J and, and Homie Shreddy Bear and Beneficial, and we're just putting all these ideas out. You know what I'm saying? Like, we're just you know, not and now it's beyond just making beats. Now we're you know we're writing. You know because Will J is a Latin artist, so I was there with him. We're writing lyrics in Spanish. We're writing hooks in Spanish, and just kind of like, does this rhyme? Does this make sense? Is this the cadence? You know. So it's uh, you know, it's 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 growing. You know what I'm saying? So I think as long as it's a collaborative process, I don't see a problem with it. But if you're paying, who's to say, man? You know yeah. what I mean? I know a lot of these big DJs and a lot of these big producers have teams, so. You know, I think a lot of it gets done with teams, man. That's just how it is. That's the reality. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's just some people just don't have time and it's weird. You know, I just I just see a lot of it where a lot of people claim to be in the studio. and They're not. You know what I'm saying? Like they don't even know how to open up a project file, you know, which I just find random. You know what I mean, like take some fucking take some pride in your work. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like if you're going to do something, then. Put your stamp of approval on it. Do something. You know what I mean? But even if you were just to layer 808s or something, just something, you know, like, oh, you did this. Okay, cool. Nice. That's just my take on it. You know? Well, you know, and I think there was a couple of years ago, um, and I'm <clears throat> by no means I'm not trying to throw DJ Khaled under the bus, but I know there was a thing where, you know, Khaled came out and explained, he's like, you know, there's beat makers and there's producers. Right. I'm not a beat maker. I'm a producer. Right. You know? And he's people, like the project manager, right. like Diddy. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, there's guys like that. Yeah. Definitely. Which I think now, this, I think this is a great segue into the next thing I wanted to ask about is, mm-hmm. what advice do you have for young DJs and editors? Okay. What advice do I have for young DJs and editors? My first piece of advice would be to never stop practicing. Just whatever you do, if you're going to make beats, just keep making beats. Keep watching YouTube. Just learn everything that you can. You know what I'm saying? Collaborate with people. We live in a world where we have these cell phones and we can just like talk to anybody and collaborate with anybody. It doesn't matter who it is, man. As long as you do something and turn it into something greater, you know? comes to DJing, never stop practicing. Definitely always practice, at least, you know, as much as you can at home. Um, you got to be smart about your business and the way that you present yourself. You know what I'm saying? There's way too many DJs out there. A lot of them don't know how to present themselves, so they're just, like, making bad business decisions. They're taking less money than they should. They're fucking it up for everybody else. And I guess that's where guys like me would come in. We're like, yo, let me pull you to the side for a second. Let me tell you something. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, just learn the business, man. Just there's there's money to be made out there. You know what I'm saying? I see a lot of DJs that are cutting each other's throats for these gigs, but if there's a will, there's a way, man. You know what I'm saying? And I'm I'm proof of it. You know what I'm saying? I'm I'm I'll say this much: I'm not the most popular DJ in my area, but somehow I stay employed. You know what I'm saying? I've had people stop me. <clears throat> I've had people stop me from making moves. They've stopped me from getting residencies and 
being in the biggest clubs. I've never been in the biggest clubs. I've played every major nightclub here in the Bay Area. But I've had people stop me left and right. That didn't stop me from making my money. That didn't stop me from my hustle. You know what I'm saying? So definitely, there's if there's a will, there's a way, man. You just got to be really, you got to be a good person. You got to be somebody that you, people can trust. You got to show up and do 110% and even more. You know what I'm saying? Like be the first person in, last person out. You know? Nice. Give Give people, you know, a good return on their investment on you. You know what I'm saying? Because... We are fucking replaceable as fuck now, man. You know what I'm saying? And that's one of the scary things. I lost a residency earlier this year, like five years. And I kind of wanted to get it. I wanted to get out of it already. But <clears throat> just the fact that they were just like, yeah, um, we're going to go a different direction. We're going to book bands now. Mm. Okay. You know, and I'm like, all right. Well, I guess I'll take that loss. You know, that's a song, you know, that was money that I was guaranteed every week. Now I don't have it. Mm-hmm. You know, we work at will. You know what I'm saying? It's not like we have job security. You know what I'm saying? And then that same week, I lost like six different gigs. So I was just like, damn, what the fuck? You know what I'm saying? So that just, you know, it had me down. But at the same time, I had to pick myself up like, yo, I got to try something else. You know what I'm saying? And now my calendar's full for the rest of the year. So it's like, all right, cool. You know, I took I took these negatives, turned them into a positive. Mm-hmm. Where can people find you? Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, SoundCloud. Mixcloud at DJ Audio One D J A U D I O number one. And then if somebody wants to book you, where can they find you or where can they book you? Um they could send me an email, DJ Audio One at gmail dot com. All right. Any any uh last words? No, I think we're good, man. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, there he is, Audio One. Thank you. That's it for this episode. Thank you for tuning in. To see the full video interview, go to youtube.com slash DJ Suave. Make sure you subscribe and rate this episode and share with your friends. See you next week on The Stoop with Suave.